cybercrime, macroeconomic conditions, ESG reporting. You can't predict the future, but you can prepare for it. By understanding your risk, you can make your business resilient to challenges on the road ahead. What's more, you can turn those risks into opportunities. EY helps CFOs, boards, and audit committees see beyond the numbers to uncover the critical insights that make their organizations resilient, even in an ever-shifting landscape. For more insights that matter, visit ey.com slash beyond the numbers. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. This is Masters in Business with Barry Ritholtz on Bloomberg Radio. This week on the podcast, I have an extra special guest. Uh, if you want to listen to me wonk out about automobiles, um, Hannah Elliott is my favorite automobile reviewer. Uh, the last time I had her on, I had people writing me and saying, you know, you were like a little puppy dog piddling over yourself. You couldn't get out of your own way. You were so excited to talk about cars with somebody. Um, this time, I think I let Hannah speak a little more than I did last time. Um, I tried to keep my excitement in check, especially on the broadcast portion. But we did go back and forth on some stuff. Uh, if you were at all interested in the automobile industry, EVs, motorcycles, collectible cars, Ferraris, Formula One, well, strap yourself in and get ready. This is two hours of automobile uh, wonkery. With no further ado, my conversation with Bloomberg's Hannah Elliott. Hannah Elliott, welcome back. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm, oh, I always enjoy talking to you because uh, I'm, I'm kind of a car guy. And before we get into automobiles, let's just start a little bit with your a background of your career. Um, you were a staff writer at Forbes Luxury. What led you to being a writer and what led you to luxury? It's a really funny story. I always start out by saying, of course, at Bloomberg, I get to write about cars. I get to write about the fun thing. Most people here write about how to make money. I get to write about how to spend how to money. Spend right. This was not by design. This was not my plan. I did love words and books, and I did study journalism in college. I went to Baylor University. Mm -hmm. um, thinking of Brittany Griner right now. She is, also went to Baylor, so shout out, Brittany. Um, but I went to Baylor. I got a journalism degree and moved to New York. I had interned writing about politics and religion, actually, but saw on Craigslist an <laughs> ad to assist the automotive editor at Forbes. And I knew nothing about cars. I come from a sports family. I'm not a car. I still say I'm not actually a car person. This is my job. It's a beat. Did you play sports in college? Yeah, I ran track. Yep, okay. I was, was going to guess volleyball because yes. you're 6'1". A lot of people say basketball. But no, I, you're short for basketball, but yeah. you're the right height for well, beach volleyball. I got some cousins who are very good at volleyball. Yeah. They played at SMU. But um, yeah, I was a runner. My dad uh, ran for Nike in the 80s. Oh, really? Uh, marathon distance. Huh. So I come from a big running family. My brother played basketball, actually, in Europe professionally. So big sports family, no car, really? anything. I mean, my... No, I mean, I did know how to drive a, a stick shift because my dad taught me in his old Ford when I was 16, mostly because I bugged him just to do it. 
But I had an uncle with like an Acura Legend, which was probably the nicest car I was ever exposed to. <laughs> wow. Um, and just shared an old Buick Skylark with my sister in high school that I was very embarrassed by. So not understandably. Car- yeah. Not- <laughs> Although my sister actually, I think she kind of liked it, but not interested in cars at all. But back to this Craigslist ad, I figured, well, Forbes is a good brand. It's sure. recognizable. I know I want to do journalism. There's my foot in the door. I'll figure it out once I get in. And fast forward, you know, this was in like 2007, 2008. A lot of people got laid off in the industry. My editor, who I'd been working with for a year and a half or so, got laid off. He was expensive. I wasn't. I was being paid next to nothing. So it was like, well, who can write about cars and, you know, pick this up? Because we just fired the guy who was covering him, which doesn't make sense. Right. And so, oh, yeah, Elliot, you go. Matthew DePaula, I will always be so grateful to him. He was the editor at Forbes at the time who hired me and really for a year and a half took me around everywhere and just taught me the beat. That's how I approached it. This is a beat. I'm going to approach this just like anything else. There are no wrong questions. It's just like this is uh, the way that I would cover anything. And I always kind of thought, well, I'll eventually go into other things. And I did certainly do luxury and watch coverage at Forbes and celebrity coverage. You know, I got to talk to everyone from Jennifer Lopez to a cover story on Elon Musk back in the day before anyone really knew about him, which is crazy to think about now. You know, Forbes was great. And it just kind of was like cars were the thing that I did because no one else at Forbes was doing them. And then I just never stopped. And you know, what, what was the first car you reviewed at Forbes? <laughs> That's a great question. The first car I remember being allowed to drive as a Forbes staffer uh, was probably an Aventador, a Lamborghini Aventador. Oh, really? So you're not fooling <laughs> Which around? Which I was terrified. Like, that's where you start. Yeah, yeah. That Here, I here's was a half a million dollar car. Have some fun. Yes. I remember Matthew was in the passenger seat, so I wasn't completely solo. Matthew. Matthew DePaula, who was the editor who hired me there, um, he was still around. And, I mean, I was terrified. But also, I was young and dumb enough not to know any better. Right. And I think that actually really served me. I didn't know what I was supposed to do or not do. I just approached it like a journalist. Right. Which I was, you know, and I still am really proud to be a journalist. I, I think it's the best job. And cars are way more fascinating now even than then i mean that was you know 12 15 years ago and even now like the car industry is the most exciting industry it's I think, crazy to be it really is yeah. so i was telling a friend that i was going to speak with you again and talk about cars and their response was you know i love pizza but if i had to make pizza for a living i would hate pizza mm-hmm. Is that the same? Is there still a thrill here? Or are you like, you know, no longer can smell the roses? That's a really good question. I think it actually works to my benefit that I never was a car person anyway. I'm not a car person. And I always say, here's the difference. Yeah, because I think you've become a car person whether or not you wanted to. (laughs) Well, uh, I can certainly speak the language if I need to. And I feel very comfortable in those circles. But here's the difference. I don't go to car things that I'm not basically paid to be there. And... Everyone else at the car event, I mean, whether it's a Formula E race or, you know, a Concours, I'm paid to be there. Yes, it's enjoyable. Yes, it's glamorous and fun. And I really do enjoy it. But I don't go to car things on my own personal time. I play with my dog, you know, or go buy a flower or something (laughs) else. Um, Because, yeah, I just think like your your pizza friend that's it would be too much and it right. would I mean if you're doing it, yeah. it for a living at a certain point it's oh, like yeah. just I the mean, change even if you love what you're doing 
hey, I, I love the markets and finance, yes. and but on the weekends, I, I want to go out in the boat or sit on the beach or just yes. something. And I, out. I really say, look, if your car is the most interesting thing about you, you're probably a little bit boring. I like to be around people who have a lot of dimensions and okay. a cool car is one of them and that's awesome. Right. But to me, that should not be the most interesting thing about you. I love car people. I love talking about cars, but like, come on, you got to have some depth right. too. So um, yeah, that might be a little, <laughs> not trying to put anyone down, but to me, it's like, if I'm going to spend social time with you, you got to be able to talk about more than Right. And car. that's right. You send your angry emails to <laughs> helliot at Bloomberg.net. Yes. So what sort of automotive trends are catching your eye these days? What do you like? What don't you like? Well, I think EV, like electric mobility, for lack of a huge, better word, is is despite the fact that we're still, you know, hovering around five percent penetration of EVs. So is in it five percent of new sales? That's all it is of of all cars on the road. Oh well, but yeah. cars last fifteen, twenty Correct. years these days, so it's going to be so. Th it's but this take is a long a very, time. Yeah, so it's it's like one thing to talk about the hype of EVs. Certainly, at every car show and every car launch and every debut, it's all electric vehicles but in real terms in the real world i think we can expect to see suvs that continue to get more and more expensive but what I about mean, the aston martin suv and the bentley and the rolls and the rolls and um you know porsche's got a couple suvs that are going to get close to two hundred thousand if you get every but i and i don't think you know i remember when the first SUVs were really starting to get over $100,000, it was like, wow, this right. is really crazy. This is a utility vehicle, but it's being priced like a luxury car. But now it's just on top of that. I mean, Lamborghini, Ferrari's coming out with theirs. It's just going to continue, and there seems to be no limit. And let's not forget, SUVs have the biggest margins. They're basically right, doubling right. the production volumes for a lot of these smaller automakers like Lamborghini, Ferrari. So they're going to double production volume and then the profits are just look, massive. Look, back when Porsche was independent, the Cayenne saved the company. Completely. And also, it's so interesting because back, you know, the people who are very into these sports brands like Porsche, Ferrari, Lamborghini, there's so much philosophical angst about, well, but we're really a sports car company. We're really a, you know, a, a supercar company. What is our consumer going to think when we go into an SUV? No one cares. Right, no one right. cares. I mean, there was all this like polite, oh, what, what will we do? No one will accept our DNA as a true sports car company anymore. Nobody cares. Half the people I know who own 911s have. Of course. Either a McCann or a, a, a Cayenne yeah. in the garage because they stay with the brand. And the only problem with those SUVs, so I had a Macan S, you just go through tires and brakes like they're because it's a big, <laughs> heavy truck, but you can throw it around like it's yeah. a sports car. And eventually it's like, oh, I got hey, 12,000 miles. I got yeah. no rubbers and, yeah. and I need to replace uh, I need to replace the, the brake pads. But it drives like a sports car. And those have done nothing to diminish the allure of a 911. It's Other not, than funding them, yeah. letting them, letting them <laughs> spend money. Yeah. I mean, it's not like, oh, if we make an SUV, now people won't take our sports cars seriously. It just it's the uh, opposite. It elevates everything. Right. 100%. Yeah. And I think that will really continue. I mean, if you look even at, even if you look at the 992, the new 911, compared to you know, call it a turbo from the 70s. Double the, the size. Double the size. Right. So, in yeah. fact, somebody did, um, what is it, the Porsche, Porsche um, not the Boxster, the hardtop, the, the Cayman. Uh -huh. 
Uh-huh. A, a, a new Cayman today is the size of a 70s 911. Yeah. yeah. It's just funny. shocking. All right. So that's what trends you like. What mm. bugs you? What What's the trend that you find? Oh, I wish this would stop. This is terrible. Well, honestly, the flip side of the coin is uh, the whole idea that when you are creating electric vehicles, they tend to be appliances. Yeah. I find that so boring and unfortunate. Um, I don't know what that means for the future, but I my number one thing is cars should be fun. Even mm-hmm. if you if it's a commuter car, it should still be fun. And I do think there is a place for autonomous driving, you know, for for commuting, sure. Especially but, if you can set your cruise control so that it starts and stops. It's yes. it, like in LA, you're on the yes. 405. Yes. Who wants to be stressed about That's not driving, that's just commuting. Right, it's a completely right. different thing. So I do think there is a place for it. But it is kind of sad to see how consumers who have been marketed to to believe that they are going to be virtuous by purchasing an EV and they're going to symbol their, you know, virtuous status by driving an electric vehicle that they're somehow doing good for the environment. This is a little bit of a separate point, but to me, the best thing you could do for an environment is to not buy a new car. Use a car that already exists. Use an old car. Interesting. And this goes hand in hand with the appliance thing. You know, I just drove the uh, Cadillac Lyric. Which you didn't exactly love. I didn't necessarily love it because, for many reasons, but to this particular point, it's just kind of like an appliance. It, It looks interesting. The looks are there. But driving... It could have been from any brand, and I'm not sure. Cadillac used to really mean something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's going to have the same uh, pull as the Cadillacs of yesterday. Right, especially without yeah. the fins. When cyber criminals strike, the difference between a catastrophic event and resilience is preparedness. Finance leaders who plan ahead can thwart the damage posed by ransomware. Yet in a recent EY poll, only 23% of directors expressed confidence in their organization's ability to respond to a ransomware attack. Cyber preparedness is just one facet of the complex risk landscape finance leaders face every day. Now more than ever, it's vital to keep ahead of developments. Cybercrime, macroeconomic conditions, ESG reporting. You can't predict the future, but you can prepare for it. By understanding your risk, you can make your business resilient to challenges on the road ahead. What's more, you can turn those risks into opportunities. EY helps CFOs, boards, and audit committees see beyond the numbers to uncover the critical insights that make their organizations resilient, even in an ever-shifting landscape. For more insights that matter, visit ey.com slash beyond the numbers. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Um, just P.S. What really bugs me that I have to share, and I've been in a bunch of EVs. There is just no reason to bury the oh the heating and air conditioning controls yes. Layers, three levels. La- and I know I know you can't expect a Volkswagen to be a Bugatti, even yes. though they're the same ownership. But I just was watching a review of the Chiron, and they brilliantly integrated just three buttons across. All of your yes. um, heating, cooling fan, heated and cooled seats, just three little buttons. Yes. You can push it in, you can pull it out, or you could just turn the knob. And, uh, you know, we have to pull that stuff. Yeah, I know a lot of companies like to keep them at the bottom of the screen. Yes. It's still a pain in the neck. Yeah, and it, I've, I have mixed feelings about this. For instance, the new Mercedes cars, like the S-Class and the EQ, uh, have this very giant. big, giant screen that's curved. And it goes across the entire dashboard, and it's actually very beautiful. And it is pretty well designed. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not necessarily... I actually did find it was intuitive, and I purposely don't ask for help when I first get into a car. I want to be able to see if I can figure it out. I don't want them to show me because that, to me, is a little bit more of a controlled environment to see if it's intuitive. So I don't have a problem with that necessarily, but in general, I do like some tangible knobs and buttons. Hard buttons, Yes, and if you are having to scroll through multiple layers of software to turn on a seat heater that's distracting and annoying while you're driving yeah i just but meanwhile the flip side of that is all of the new ferrari steering wheels it's like you don't need anything else everything's at your thumbs did you get in the roma the ferrari i did i don't love the interior i find the exterior of that car just silky sexy gorgeous yes and the interior is a little disappointing from the accoutrement or the technology (sighs) Just a little bit of both. I yeah. mean, it's, you know, not everything is a 488 or, yeah. uh, you know, I've, I've kind of been looking at the F12 lately because the A12s have gone postal. Uh-huh. And pre-pandemic, the F12 was just starting to come down in price. And for any three of my cars, I'm like, yeah. well, you know, I could save a little maintenance and insurance if I swap sure. three these three for that yeah. one. Quality and, over quantity. And it was it was it was definitely coming. I love paying half of MSRP <laughs> for a three year old car that still has most of its useful life ahead of it. And um, then it just, you know, it, it, they're up 40, 50% yeah. from where I was like, oh, you're $10,000 yeah. away from where I could think about this. Yeah. So, um, so so that's a beautiful interior with yes. hard buttons yes. and a screen yes. and a separate little screen if yes. you buy the upgrade for the passenger. It. You didn't love it. The Roma. Yeah. 
So so the A12 and the F12 are both just – I like that yes. environment. The Roma was just kind of – it it was a little too minimalist. And oh, interesting. I, I kind of really like the dials, the buttons, the tack. Like mm-hmm. I want to feel – when I mm-hmm. get into a Ferrari, I want to feel like I'm Cockpit. in a – Right, a fighter yes. plane. What else looks really new and interesting to you? What cars or SUVs – are you excited about, even if they're not out till 23 or 24, right? Not the Lyric, hold that off. Okay. What, what else? This is going to surprise you, but I really did like the Hummer EV. Everybody I, I know who's driven it says it's, it's spectacular. Good. It's this is a this is immense, a but spectacular. Yes, it nine nine thousand plus pounds. Wow! And you're going to be on the same level as a school bus, basically t- height wise. Again. If you love the Hummer, you're going to love it. If you hate the Hummer, you're going to hate it. Right. But what I love about it is it's not trying to be anything it isn't. This is a very obnoxious vehicle, right. you know, but it doesn't, it's not trying to hide it. It has right. a point of view. But it's, it's electric. It's you in the nose, right. but it's electric and it's really fast. Um, I drove that. Insane 9,000 pounds really yes, fast. With launch mode, which also is ridiculous. There's really? No, there's no reason a Hummer... EV needs to have a launch mode. And I'm telling you, it pushes you back right. in your seat. It's crazy. And well, you've seen a- the YouTube videos of the people in the Tesla Plaid. Sure. Just yeah. like having their minds blown. Yeah. By- well, imagine that in like something the size of a school bus, basically. Wow. It's crazy. But I loved it. They did a good job with it. I mm-hmm. think, you know, good luck trying to get one. And I saw they were those 200 plus on Bring a Trailer. Right. Already. Did yeah. you see the one that sold on Bring a Trailer for, I think it was around $200,000? Yeah, yeah. 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 There's been several that have been going for yeah. 200 yeah. plus. So, I mean, it's crazy, but I really did like it. Surprisingly, I thought they did a great job of incorporating the look of the old Hummer. I mean, yes. you, the minute you look at it, you know it's, it's a Hummer. It's clearly a Hummer. But it does look updated, too. Mm-hmm. I thought they did a better job than maybe, I don't know, Defender. You know how they brought the new Defender in? Yeah, but the new so the new Defender uh, has been slagged by a lot of people. The folks I know who own it all love it. Yeah, I mean the only beef anyone has is it's a Range Rover. So reliability is yeah. I was just going to say that it might be in the uh, in the shop every now and then. And and by the way, it's really interesting given the lack of availability of of new cars and used cars. Uh, go on any used car site and look for uh, like a 2021 um, Range Rover Sport HSE, which is an expensive car. Mm-hmm. There are tons of them available. Yes. And it's mostly because the reliability downgrades mm-hmm. their appeal as a used car. But yes. I was interested in, you mentioned the, the Defender. So I know someone in the UK who has the Defender okay. as a hybrid okay. and says he gets 40, 50 miles Amazing. a gallon because I think it was 45 miles local. So all your That's local great. driving is EV. But yeah. if you want to go from London to take the channel to Paris, mm-hmm. you can tank up and you could make that trip. Yeah, I love that. And I and I think, you know, I am I am neither for nor against EVs. I, I do feel genuinely neutral about them. I, I think, OK, they're probably going to happen great um but it is true that like now that i'm living in los angeles i can't drive to vegas in an ev without stopping for a considerable amount of time i mean more than that 
to, oh, really? to try to get a recharge. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you can't drive up to San Francisco in an EV. The hybrid solves that problem. Right, that's right. Yeah, and you'll still have decent efficiencies. So. And the yeah. same thing with the, the Range Rover, that HSE Sport, the new version, which looks yeah. lovely, is also available in a hybrid in the UK. I don't think it's here, but what's the giant Range Rover? Is it the Land Rover? Yeah. That is here with a hybrid. So you so do you get go. arguably the best of both worlds. You're not a fan of the Defender? The new Defender's I, I think, looks? I think they could have done a little better. Like the rear box, you know how in the rear, yeah, the rear yeah, three quarters, there's a box there. Out. It's yeah. a step. Now, um, that blocks a lot of vision <laughs> when you're driving it. Uh, I have an X4, so yeah. I know all about that yeah. blind spot back there. I, I don't think it's bad. I just think they could have done a little bit better. I don't know. To huh. me, it just, like, I think Bronco, you know how they brought the Bronco Spectacular. back. Looks amazing. What a great just, job. Just had the Raptor. Oh my God! Wow. Have you driven the F one fifty Lightning? Yet? No, I haven't. I had it for a week. Okay, thoughts. Amazing. Just a, first of all, if you're not a pickup guy or girl, right? It's immense, and it's you know almost to the inch exactly okay. what the internal combustion version is. Okay. So it's immense. But by, by the way, the the Bronco. I had the Bronco for a week also, and so I have a old Jeep Rubicon. And the interesting thing about the shape of the Jeep is it's a great glass greenhouse you can see everything and the way the fenders are set off of the hood you could see your corners you really the bronco is a giant rectangle and you can't (laughs) see anything i mean your greenhouse is clean you can see out the back and they have great cameras but you're completely blind what's in front of the truck for like 10 feet it's uh other than that it was a blast we took it on the beach we went are you converted what into from jeep to to bronco no, because Not the Jeep, I have visibility. a 2013 Rubicon, and it just goes anywhere, and I'm, I'm not like a crazy Jeep guy, Yeah. but my house is set up on a hill, and four-wheel drive cars in the rain have a hard time getting okay. up there. So yeah. the snow is impossible, yeah. and the Jeep just, it just laughs at everything. It's like, yeah, for the snow, 40-degree yeah. angle. That's great. No, no issues. Um, if I was looking to replace that, I would consider the Bronco. Mm-hmm. Um, two of my neighbors have one. They mm-hmm. both love it. Yeah. Uh, one has the convertible and the other one has a, a, a four-door. And, you know, every I had it for a week. I thought it was a blast. It, it seems unstoppable. The, the F-150 was just a wholly Let different Let me ask experience. you about that. You said it was amazing. Amazing for a Ford F-150 truck or amazing for an EV? So I've never had a, a, any... SUV. Okay. And I've driven EVs, but not, I mean, pickup. I've never had a pickup. Um, And I've driven EVs, but I haven't really had them for a week or so. So the first thing I learned is, and I wrote a long review on it, I I plugged it in and it lights up. And the next morning I come out and there's no change. Oh, it lights up orange. I have to really put this in. So now it's lighting up blue. And then on a 120 without a special charger, you're adding like two miles yeah, a, a, an hour. A trickle. Yeah, it's a trickle. And then what was interesting, we went to the beach and there were all these... The fast chargers. Yeah, well, they're semi-fast chargers. And so we're on the at the beach for two hours and I it cost me $6.49 to add 48 miles. So kind of mm-hmm. like $3 a gallon. It yeah. seems pretty cheap. Um, it's stu- like, like the Hummer. It's stupid fast for yeah. its size and weight. It's yeah. just stupid. And it's a full pickup bed... So uh, I dragged out to the beach house. I dragged. Um, you ever see the Roman 
uh, arch for hammocks. I had one taken uh, apart. It's like 16 feet. Okay. I threw that in the back. I threw nice. um, a six-foot table I had taken apart. I threw a big um, four-burner Weber. I just loaded up with stuff, and I'm like, That's great. I got a ton more room back here. Yeah. So I, I anybody who's using stuff, um, I, I appreciate having a pickup, but to me, it's like the SUVs. So I have an X4, the X, similar to the X6 or the GLE sure. that rounded back and friends tell me, yeah. oh, look how much space you're giving up. I'm yeah. like, twice a year, I fill the back of the sure. truck all the way up. Sure. The other 360 days, I have Fine. to look at an ugly rectangle. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather have something that's a little sexier. And if yeah. I really need to, I'll either make two trips or take two cars or rent a truck if that's what I deal. really need. Yeah. But but some people are just can't wrap their yeah. head around. Yeah. D- does the look of a car matter to you relative to its utility? And if it's not your only car, mm-hmm. hey, listen, if I had one car, then okay, maybe. I right. Got lots. I got too yeah. many cars. So to me, it's not. You got a space issue. Um. We were discussing building a garage. See, this is so how it's you, the ta- you're crossing over into so, danger territory. A friend said to me. <laughs> um, uh, one tattoo is either too few or too many. Yeah, it's like that's a very good point. And and so I'm yes. at the point where six cars are either too few. Or, well, actually five. I totaled my wife's Panamera. Oh. Um, are you okay? Everybody's fine. Okay. It was this was this was December, um, January, February, something like that. Five miles an hour. No. I slow down to make a left, and the person oh, behind no. me thought I was pulling over. Yeah. Crossed a double yellow, and you look in your rearview mirror in a truck. Oh, God. There's no one behind me. So I make the left, and yeah. she T boned us. And uh, Panamera 4S got, it was six months old. Oh. And the funny thing was, I got 24 grand more than I paid for the car. Perfect. Because the market prices had gone up so insane. Mm. So, other than chipping my tooth and being sore for a week, yeah. it happened in right in front of my dentist's oh. building. So when I called and said, hey, I chipped a tooth in oh, a car no. accident, and I, can I come in tomorrow? Yeah. She's like, that wasn't you in front of our <gasps> building, was it? I'm like, yeah, she that was. She saw it. They, they heard uh, it. Oh they heard kaboom. Gosh. Yeah. And the crazy thing is the woman who was driving the, uh, the Lexus truck that hit us, she went to the hospital. She oh, was fine. No. Turned out she was fine. Okay. She was just nervous and whatever. Yeah, yeah. But was oh. scared and shaken up. It's scary. But my wife and I were like black and blue oh, first. Oh, no. Just Car accidents are no fun. Yeah, scary. But you know, uh, the Panamera did what it was supposed to. Yeah, good. all the airbags good. came down. Good. The only weird thing is, as it's happening, I'm like trying to recover <gasps> the skid, and I can't. Your brain can't figure out what's going on because nothing's wow. operating. You can't yeah. see. Yeah. Like you're blinded. Yeah. The steering wheel doesn't respond. So when we stopped moving, I went to open the driver door, and I, I couldn't open the door. And I'm like, something's wrong with the door. And I turned to my wife. I'm like, are you okay? There's something wrong with our door. And people came running over to the oh. car. They opened her door and, and took her out. And so I had to climb oh. over the seat to get out. And I was genuinely shocked to see a car wow. T-bones. Um, yeah, it's just, and, and I'm like a religious signaler. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> normally I would absolutely swear on a stack of Bibles that I signaled. But the fact that, the person went to pass us mm. makes me wonder. Mm. Hey, was this the one time I made a left without saying the only? How much of it is my 
fault. I don't think it was. It's not your fault, Barry. Well, normally I'm you. when you're making a left, the assumption is it's your fault. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. but they crossed the double yellow line, so yeah. I don't. Listen, yeah. Look, New York is a no fault uh, state, so great. it doesn't matter. Um, but anyway, how do we get on this digression? We were talking about trucks. Oh, that's right. So <laughs> and space to to keep your cars. You got six cars, but now you're well, down now to five. Well, now I got five. I'm down yeah. to five. Are they so. all inside? Three inside. Okay. The Jeep and the so Explorer outside. So you were potentially looking at. Oh, another... I am. Uh, we are at six. Yeah. I got the FJ. Okay. Also. When cyber criminals strike, the difference between a catastrophic event and resilience is preparedness. Finance leaders who plan ahead can thwart the damage posed by ransomware. Yet in a recent EY poll, only 23% of directors expressed confidence in their organization's ability to respond to a ransomware attack. Cyber preparedness is just one facet of the complex risk landscape finance leaders face every day. Now more than ever, it's vital to keep ahead of developments. Cybercrime, macroeconomic conditions, ESG reporting. You can't predict the future, but you can prepare for it. By understanding your risk, you can make your business resilient to challenges on the road ahead. What's more, you can turn those risks into opportunities. EY helps CFOs, boards, and audit committees see beyond the numbers to uncover the critical insights that make their organizations resilient, even in an ever-shifting landscape. For more insights that matter, visit ey.com slash beyond the numbers. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight, athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers. They're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. So oh. I have a 78 FJ, cool. which I started rebuilding cool. in what color? Uh, sky blue with Ooh. a white roof and a black interior. I think you sent me a picture of that. I started rebuilding one in Columbia pre-pandemic. Then we went into lockdown and they said, listen, we can't hold on to the car. We, we have okay. to, we're, we're stuck. I'm like, go ahead, sell it. And yeah. we'll find another one when this is over. So long story short, 2021, rebuild a new one, import it 
to the U.S. in January. It sits in customs for two months because they're so backed up in Port of Miami. Finally get up here in like February, March, waiting for the last of the documentation to come in, which just came in like a week ago. Cool. Um, I had to get a certified translation of the purchase agreement because you can't send them something showing 100 million pesos <laughs> in, in Spanish. They don't want to hear that at DMV. Yeah. And so the car gets registered this week. So that's, oh, that's number exciting. six. Cool. Um, so seven is okay. too many. So the trucks are outside, the cars are All right. inside. All right. Um, but at a certain point, it's, you know, you got to make a decision. Am I going to build a garage for all these things? And it's work keeping six cars. Definitely. Yes. This is a part-time job, just maintaining, yeah. making sure the registrations are current and making sure the batteries insurance, are all alive right. and the insurance. And I put a old, trickle a charger smogum. on the vet. So okay. That Wait, what Corvette do you have? 67 Coupe. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, all these show up on the website. I've been looking for a Corvette. I want to C3, white. So the, make very many the of them. C3 is the Corvette of my youth. Yeah. Like when I was in high school, it was yeah. still 10 years before that. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. they were used cars. And yeah. Guys would buy a, you know, a 10-year-old vet. And, like, I came very close to getting a 69 in yellow over black. Ooh. And... The prices hadn't gone up, and I started seeing the C2s, and I'm like, these are just the most amazing looking cars. I know, they're cars. so cool. They're just so they're, gorgeous. They're, I, you know, I just saw one. I follow this thing called Hobby Car Corvettes, and I just saw oh, one. Oh, really? They've got a white one in my birth year right. for sale in Pennsylvania, and I, I really white thought- White over yes, white or- White over red. Okay. A uh, C3 it is an That's automatic, That's my wife's old two series. Oh, that is oh, don't so get cool. the automatic. You I know. Don't want to do that. California traffic, though, I don't want to sit in LA. So here's here's the one thing you have to know about the old vets. Okay, they're tractors. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, we know that. I mean, same with every old Lamborghini. <laughs> the clutch is heavy. The steering is yes, heavy. This the is brakes. why I want an automatic. I have drum brakes on this oh, minus gosh. my '67, which, by the way, is supposed to be the pinnacle of the C2. How often the last do you year. drive it? Uh, I try and rotate all the cars out on the road okay. once a week. Okay. Although, you know, on a day like today when it's raining yeah. cats and dogs, yeah. it's not no. It's not coming out yeah. of the garage. Um, but it is, to your point, it is a bit of a chore to maintain. It's work. Six cars. is too it's few or too many. Yeah. Either you need 20 and yeah. a, a and guy. A guy. Right? Yeah. <laughs> or like four, you know, we have we each have a daily driver. Yeah. So, when I was younger, we each had a daily driver, and there would be a convertible in the garage. So oh, we had cool. an old SL for a cool. co long time, and then we had a Z4. So there was a, always a fun car that we could take out on weekends. And you know what? A third car, hey, you start it once a month, who cares? Yeah, not a big Six deal. Six cars, it's just, it, it starts to be work. It's like cats, but for car guys. <sighs> yeah. Keep acquiring. You know, like the crazy cat lady yeah, who just yeah, kind of keeps uh, taking them in? Right, That that's oh. what starts to happen. Yeah. and. Once you go beyond a couple of cars just for what you need, it's, well, what is the difference be between having four extra cars and six extra cars? Not a lot. It's S volume It's scale. excessive, right. Yeah. Either way is excessive. For sure, but my, also- My partner thinks I'm insane. My, my partner's at work. Yes. Look at me and like, how many cars are you going to buy? And I'm like, I don't know. Well, I, what about during the, this market? Isn't it? Wouldn't it be a bit smarter to put some cash into a car rather than 
I mean, I have my own theories about that, and I've been talking to a lot of people about it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, what I hear is— At these elevated prices? Cause I'm, talking, I, I'm talking collect old cars. So, old cars. Okay, how old is old? You know, something something 20 years or older. The, okay. The vin, vintage— Well, the vet is 50 years old. And sure. And the, the whatchamacallit— And that's probably appreciated quite a it bit. It has since I got that last summer. Yes. In the beginning of the pandemic, I kind of accidentally bought an R8 on Bring a Trailer. Okay. So my, I'm sitting outside <laughs> reading a book, and my wife says, John from Salt Lake City on the phone? And, you know, I have bids out on sure. cars and bids sure. and Bring a Trailer, like 30 40% yeah. away from the market constantly. And, you know, my credit card company thinks I'm crazy because, <laughs> you know, they put the whole pull- holding. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um... And I pick, hi, can I help you? Congratulations on the car. And I'm like, what? Uh, which car? And he said, the R8. I'm like, I won that? Really? Yeah. That's fantastic. I go, wait a second. Are you sure? I was way off the market. And as I say that, Uh-oh. I'm like, oh, this isn't live to tape. You just yeah. stepped in it. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, well, tell you the truth. He goes, did you have any idea what the reserve is? I'm like, no, how would I know that? He said, because two days ago, I spoke to bring a trailer and they talked me into loaning oh. the reserve. Oh. He goes, you just barely beat oh, the wow. reserve. And I'm like, why did you lower the price? He's like, well, I have a new Ferrari coming. I yeah. had to make room in the garage. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I'm like, listen, I've always been a fan of that car. I love the cool. gated shifter. Sure. And I think the V10 is kind of cheating. As much fun as it is, the V8 in that is is a monster. Um, so <laughs> he, so Everything was, he was a little miffed at me because this was April of 2020. Mm-hmm. It took me like six weeks to arrange insurance yeah. registra- and shipping because nobody was doing anything. Yeah. So he, I actually got an email from Bring a Trailer, which is like, hey, what's going on? I'm yeah. like, dude, um, nobody is shipping cars. He was in Texas? He was got- in uh, Utah. Oh, Utah. And I was yeah. like, nobody's shipping cars. Yeah. I can't get my insurance company on the phone. Yeah. What am I going to do? Yeah. I'm, I'm, trust me, I, yeah. I will wire the money in advance. Yes. I just need to straighten the all logistics. this stuff out. Right. Yeah. If, yeah. If you need the cash. I'll send the money today. Sure. I just am. Yeah. So so it was, um, it was interesting because when the car arrived, I had all my paperwork. I had my insurance. Mm-hmm. I had my inspection. But DMV was closed. You couldn't register the car. So I would take the oh, don't auction. let that stop you. I would take the auction. <laughs> pay, I'd have a whole file. Yeah. And I would go out each morning at seven a.m. and there's nobody on the road. Mm-hmm. There's no joggers. There's mm-hmm. no no bicyclists. There's no other cars, and there are no police. So my oh. local side roads became a little that's, autobahn for oh, me. Oh, that's great. And that lasted about two months, three months. Yeah. And then you know I'm not an idiot. I I when people they're bicyclists or pedestrians or. Jo- the fun time is over. Yeah. It's Seven a.m. in the beginning of the pandemic. There was a little sweet spot in there. There was a you huge could really sweet spot. get out on the road. I remember we drove once from Santa Monica and Los Angeles to downtown in about twelve minutes, right. and we were not even speeding that much. It was just open. There's road. nobody. Usually that drive takes an hour at least. Right. Yeah. It so was great. so I had my like stack of papers. Yeah. Just in I case. Was, I was yes. fully anticipating a conversation with. The local constable yeah. Yeah. saying, "Are you a uh, booster uh, by any chance? Are um, you local?" That years ago, I used okay. to do that. Yeah. I kind of stopped because it's a little, it's just a little oh. dirty feeling okay. sometimes. Yeah, and I, I would rather charm my way out of a uh, ticket. Besides, <laughs> the the badges, the courtesies, shields, yeah. they don't work the way they used oh, really? to. Oh, really? Yeah. I've never had one, but I always just thought that was kind of a nice thing. I had one yeah. from someone I worked with. A uh, uh, long story. 
I, I did some work for uh, the family of someone who passed away, and I got a shield as a okay. thank you. And in New York City, the shield worked great. Yeah. But <laughs> once it stopped working in Nassau County, oh. I, I remember coming home from somewhere and getting pulled over, and the cop was like apologetic. Oh. And he's like, listen, we, we just can't honor those. Uh, hey, man, hmm. do you got to— sure. So I learned as a yeah. kid— just painfully honest with cops. Yes. When cops yes. pull me over, yes. it's like the yes. scene from Liar Liar. <laughs> that, that's how I am. And usually they yeah. basically, you know, they appreciate not blowing smoke up there yes. behind because uh, they're lied to all day long yeah. every day. It must so, be refreshing. So, right. So, uh, you know, you tell, tell the officer when yeah. he says, how fast uh, were you going? I said, well, officer, as I yeah. drove by, I saw you, hey. and I looked down, and I looked down. at the speedometer, yep. mm -hmm. and he goes, and what did it say? It said, pull over, because this officer's going to have a few words with you. That's great. And they laugh, and yeah. they're That's great. You're, you're being honest with yeah. them. You don't have to say, you know, I was 25 over. You could say, yeah. I thought you would want to have a little I'm conversation. I'm going to note that down for right. my future Thought reference. you would like to have a chat, yes. and yes. didn't want to make you drive too far yeah, to catch that's me. Yeah, that's really courtesy. So let's talk about some of your favorite columns of recent days. Starting with, I mentioned Evie's and Harley's. Let's combine that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Harley. Uh, yeah, tell us yeah. about that. Cool bike. Um, no clutch, right? No clutch. You don't have no gears, no oil to replace, wow. none of that, no rumble, no growl. It does what do they have do a, for sound? It to... does have a sound. You know, it's like a whirring sound. Right. It's. It, if you're a Harley guy who's going to need the, the loud pipes, right. you're going to object, probably. Uh, to so, this as a kid yes. riding dirt bikes, the expression I always loved was loud pipes save lives. Sure, sure. So, what to do you do? To which I that? say, if you're relying on your loud pipes to keep you safe, yeah. you're, that's you're a problem. You're in trouble. Right. Yeah, you got to be heads up. And, and honestly, you can do everything right and you can still get in a right, lot of trouble right. on a motorcycle. So, I think, yes, loud pipes are. I can be nice, but that should not be your safety plan. The the problem is when people see you coming, yes. they see a little blurp instead of a big car, your brain yes. assumes you're further away. So yes. the pipes kind of compensate for that. Uh, potentially. And I would say on this, the Livewire 1, there is a noise associated with the You vehicle. can hear it coming. It's, yeah, it's not a loud pipe, but you can hear it. Right. Um, and actually, I... I'm a big supporter. I think it makes sense for Harley to sure. start having electric bikes. I love electric motorcycles. Actually, the act of riding a motorcycle, I think, is actually made more pure on an electric bike. It's just, just you because, get that quiet. Yeah. Right. You, it's not disturbed by... And I admit, I am not a hardcore biker. I'm not someone who has to ride a bike every day. I enjoy it. Right. But, hey, I love the idea that you don't have to have, um, you know ears and nerves that are frayed because you've been on the bike all day and it's very loud yeah, and yeah. it's been vibrating and you've got the smell of the oil and just dirt you don't have any of that which i love i and the live wire one i think is a great example zero does a great yeah, job zero yeah. is a california-based uh motorcycle maker and they have been around for years now and there's they, one parked in front of my office just I love about them. every day i love them they i think they look very cool they're powerful they're nimble um they don't have any of the cultural baggage baggage that harley might have right um and I, they're well made they're awesome you can recharge those in 45 minutes to basically full right. which is a lot better uh charging proposition than a, a car 
so I'm a big fan. I really liked it. I did like the the Livewire one. They're coming out with an S2 edition, which has like a very cool livery on it and looks more like an off-road bike that I think uh-huh. would be cool. Um, so I'm looking forward to that too. Actually, that company is no longer owned wholly by Harley Davidson. They've taken on other investors, and this is a, a new company that Harley spun off um, to share technology with and stuff. So. Exciting. Top luxury convertibles from European supercars oh. to U.S. classics. There were some great oh. cars in that list. Well, I can't remember exactly what I put on that list, but the first one that came to my mind is the the 992 convertible. I right. mean, you can't. A friend go, of mine has one. Oh, I've driven it. It's oh, spectacular. It, if you can get the turbos, get the turbos. He it's, didn't because he wanted a stick shift. Okay. And I think See, they stopped them in 2014. Why does Porsche do that? I don't understand. I don't because get it. they want the turbo to be the fastest. It's, and yes, intellectually, I understand. Yes, the 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 dual clutch is faster than a stick. Of course, but you want to shift your own sometimes. Every, and every guy I talk to, that's the one thing they say. It's just really it doesn't make. It makes theoretical sense, maybe, but not logical sense to your buyer. If you want to sell them, right, exactly. I came very close to buying a 2014 911 Turbo, Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 996.2. How many miles did it have on it? 10, 11. Oh, not very many. And just gorgeous. Yeah. White over with a black interior with red everything. Red strip. Cool. Even turbo I was I love red. a white 911. Yeah, it's just, I, it's just yeah. spectacular. And why didn't you buy it? Because I couldn't rationalize the price. Uh-huh. Because I because it's the same price it's as a even new more Carrera. Now. <laughs> um, no, I think we we peaked and sort of slipped a little bit in <laughs> price. <laughs> and the price it was offered at. Mm-hmm. While we were looking at it, it like literally, yeah. it's like you watching watched your, the ticker. Yeah, it just yeah. kept going up and up. It was like watching the gas yeah. uh, roll over. When cyber criminals strike, the difference between a catastrophic event and resilience is preparedness. Finance leaders who plan ahead can thwart the damage posed by ransomware. Yet in a recent EY poll, only 23% of directors expressed confidence in their organization's ability to respond to a ransomware attack. Cyber preparedness is just one facet of the complex risk landscape finance leaders face every day. Now more than ever, it's vital to keep ahead of developments. Cybercrime, macroeconomic conditions, ESG reporting. You can't predict the future, but you can prepare for it. By understanding your risk, you can make your business resilient to challenges on the road ahead. What's more, you can turn those risks into opportunities. EY helps CFOs, boards, and audit committees see beyond the numbers to uncover the critical insights that make their organizations resilient, even in an ever-shifting landscape. For more insights that matter, visit ey.com slash beyond the numbers. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, they're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. 
It's dedication, it's fortitude, and it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years, and it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. But man, you know. Another convertible I love, back to your point, the Bentley Continental GTC. So the only problem with that convertible Uh is the coupe is so spectacular. Yeah. Just But don't hold it against the convertible. Fair. I mean, the the coupe for sure, I think one year, the year that it first came out, it might have been 2018, 2017. The new version. The new version. Yeah. That was my favorite car of the year. It's so, it's just perfect. Those quilted seats. They're just, it's, so the one, so we all have regrets. I have a question for you about regrets. Okay. I came this close on Bring a Trailer. I ended up getting the R8 instead (laughs) to getting a white on white um, GTC coupe, not convertible. Okay. Okay. Uh, But it was the eight cylinder, not the, which is fine for me. And, um, and I just didn't pull the trigger or, you know, before in your another column of yours is how to buy cars <laughs> at online auctions. Yeah. And I one of the rules you put down is one of my rules. You figure out in advance what the price is and you don't go over that price. Yeah. And the car sold for two grand over as far as yeah. I was want to go. Yeah. And that's one one of them that got away. The white on white is just But at the insane. time, you could not have known that you were so close. I mean, Right. That's why you thought it was going to keep so going up. So my wife's Panamera, I so every now and then you got a bunch of people that have been kind of, you know, just fooling around uh-huh. with the auctions. You could tell when someone is in a serious buyer. Uh-huh. And um and so you want to just have a knockout punch yeah. that sort of yeah. scares don't, everybody. Don't do away. the nickel and dime thing. Right. And so and uh, yeah. you know, maybe I you pay $1000 more yeah. but you just yeah. scare everybody yeah. away. Yeah. And I was shocked we got that car. Because the MSRP, and you could go to Monroney Labels mm-hmm. to pull up the original MSRP sticker with all the options and what it mm-hmm. literally cost, mm-hmm. except Ferraris don't work with that. <laughs> uh, but it works with most other other brands. And the lunatic who bought it, not a Panamera Turbo or a GTS, mm-hmm. a 4S, which mm-hmm. is like middle yeah. of the line, Paid a hundred and sixty something for the car. Wow. They literally must have just gone check, 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 check every option. Yeah, and so you get to pay well less than half of yeah. that. Yeah, that's a great deal mm-hmm. for a used mm-hmm. car. And um, and then, you know, <laughs> you, the insurance company will pay you. Now you have to you pay more for market price or a stated value with your insurer. Mm-hmm. Um, but hold that aside. <laughs> um. Give me one other convertible that you really because uh, there's nothing to dislike about the Bentley, except uh, hmm. you know maintenance is expensive and mm-hmm. they they become more reliable for sure. No, the 765 LT. I mean, if you want to talk high, high, high in supercars, right? I liked it. 
in part because it was, quote unquote, more drivable than some of the contemporaries, just in terms That's of clearance. That's the thought of McLaren's, right? Yeah, visibility. I mean, these things to me, honestly, and, and I say this knowing we are very spoiled people. Yes. They're not relaxing and enjoyable to drive in city conditions. Well, especially often. the special sport the, edition. It's, the, it's they're stressful. too frenetic, yes. right? Yes. And, you know, you always see the guys who like put them on a trailer to five blocks away from there. <laughs> they want to, I've right. literally seen this at clubs in New York City. That's too Some much. guy unloading and then he pulls it around in front of the well, club. Was that because they it, don't want to put the mileage on it? I think it's or, everything. You know, right. cobblestones, they don't want to put yeah. the mileage on it. It's, who wants to do that? I love my M6 because it's got the, the settings for regular and, and then you can upgrade the, the steering, the suspension, and the engine. Yeah. So you could go drive like a human. Hey, let's have some fun. Okay, full-blown hole again. Yeah. And that's a convertible with a stick shift and I can never give that up because the 8, is now also dual clutch, no more stick. And I just think that's such a delightful car. Um, but it's not a, mm-hmm. a hypercar. The McLaren's a hypercar. What's yes. the what's the interior like? Is it it's great. I mean it's very cockpit like? I would say it's back to our conversation about screens versus buttons. Yeah. It's a nice medium. Okay. I it's would a good say. mix. Yeah. Um, you know, there's enough space to put like a cup of coffee. Uh-huh. You know, some of these cars don't even have a cup right. holder. Yeah, there's, so th- there's no cup holders they, in half the Ferrari. Yeah, there, there are some nods to practicality that I think, let's be realistic, you, right. just because you're driving a supercar doesn't mean you're not going to have a coffee. So with my car club, uh-huh. when we go out, a bunch of us will go out, we will stop for coffee, uh-huh. throw the cups away, and then everybody okay. gets in and drives. Right. Well, and off very you go. Proper. Right. Now, I hope you still listen to the radio in your supercar. Um, and not just the sound of the engine. So, uh, so some of the guys in the group, all of my cars are, you know, modest compared okay. to. So the, my Audi or BMW, although the funny thing is the car that attracts more attention, everybody loves is the vet the 67 vet I'm te- I'm guys obsessed. lose their mind uh, yeah, I'm over obsessed. It. and and it's like that light <sighs> nassau blue with a oh. white interior like so all white cool. interior it, so it's cool. as gorgeous as as uh, any car yeah. ever made there aren't many in la that said a buddy has a ferrari f430 mm-hmm. without the stick he got the f1 in a in a spider and there is no radio in that. I mean, there is one. I don't know if it's ever been on. Maybe not. The top down, yeah. the V8's right over your shoulder. Oh, it's, that's It's astonishing. That's right. nice. And that's his yeah. second Ferrari because the F50, the 550 was his first love. And then he decided wow. uh, life is short. I'm going to get a convertible also. I think a lot of people are feeling that, you know, you only live once in this Post-pandem, day and age. And yeah. you don't know yeah. when your number comes up. Correct. Sometimes you roll... I- and if yes. you can afford it, I think we're all feeling that. Right. So there's yeah. a difference between me running around and spending 50 grand on a stupid little car and other people dropping multi six figures. Yeah. And, you know, the thing I love about the BMW is my oil change is 40 bucks. That's and great. you bring the Ferrari in and it's $2,000 oh, yeah. by the time yeah. you're done with, oh, I had to replace some belts and a filter. Uh, I gave you a discount. It's 2200 yeah. That's a different. Experience and, I, and lifestyle. And let's just say, if you're going to be c- very concerned about that type of maintenance on your car or minor, you know, fixing minor things like dings or chips or whatever, you probably can't afford the car because you got to be able to afford the car and what it's going to cost. Comfortably. Be able yeah, to sleep at night. So that you're not just being a jerk about it, about who sits in it or who parks no, it. You gotta I mean, drive, no, you got to drive it. You got to enjoy it. You can't yeah. worry about the mileage. No. no. Right? And if in you fact, can't 
crest that amount of resources to spend on it, I don't I don't think you can afford it really. Uh, his Ferraris have what are what have kept me away <laughs> because every like the other day they were both in the shop yeah. and he's like, You wanna go for a ride? I said and he's like I got no cars. I'm, what yeah. do you mean? Where's the 911? Yeah, so, the, the struggle is real. Right, I mean, these are right. these are very uh, rare back and forth air. from yeah. the burbs oh, into wow. New York City every day in, in the 911. Um, <laughs> Poor guy, convertible with a stick. <laughs> so, so yeah, right. It's yeah, the struggle is real. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So, a couple of other pieces I, I got to ask about: Mercedes trimming entry level cars to focus mm. on high end. Yeah, I have a vivid recollection of when Mercedes was. Why are you going down market? Yes. You're going for volume. You're a high end. Yes. No, we have to do this in order to expand our reach and blah, blah, blah. Yes. What happened? They realized they don't have to anymore. I think they got tired of competing with BMW. Right. To, for, to or be you know, the biggest, or... biggest luxury uh, right. automaker. And they started making these super high end, um, you know, series uh, with the AMG GT, with their G Wagons, that just as we spoke about, are right. they're over $200,000. Uh, versions. Um, they are doing more with the Maybach brand, which the which was kind of on hiatus for a while. It's on. Right? It's it's very touch and go. Some years they make cars, some years they don't. And I've asked them about it, and they just said, well, you know, some years we Whenever. make. Whenever. Yeah. Some sometimes. When we the do, Sheik wants we ten, we make ten. Right. But the years that they do make the Maybach, it's so profitable for them, and I just think right. they're they were already slicing the pie so thinly. I couldn't. You know, my job is to think about this. I couldn't even look at a car and tell you what C series it was C class right. it was or you know the A class or is it an E or you know it's it was becoming a very thinly sliced pie and i think the same was happening to margins but then you know you start to realize this trend of there seems to be no lack of people wanting to spend money on cars a <laughs> lot of money and when you start to personalize it and offer all of these special editions and way to make it your own especially in the higher models the profits are so lucrative there mm -hmm. you don't have to make the lower ones right L look at bmw well yeah. there's no longer a one but yeah. there's a two a three a four a five it they stopped the six a seven and eight yeah. And then on the trucks is an X1, X2, X3, yeah. X4, X5, X6, X7. And now add in the eyes, the right. electric version, right. you know, the iX, the i3, the i8, of course, which let's pit, put a pin on that. We need a new car, a halo car from BMW. That the, i8 they, was almost was a fabulous car. Yes. They put that dumb three-cylinder engine in there. If they would have put the M3 twin-turbo six, yes. the three, that would that, have been a monster. To me, that was a lost oh my god, that would I have know. been a, a, a hypercar for the ages. I love that car, and they They're beat everyone. Cheap. They beat everyone yeah. when that came out. That to was a hybrid. A, that was a, yeah. Yeah. And now it's like, well, what have you really followed that with in terms of something that's nothing. exciting? They've got EVs, but nothing that's really exciting. That i8 with a real engine would have been yeah. the first hybrid supercar out I there. Know. So, so let's talk about yeah. hybrid supercars. You did okay. a column on Rimac. Mm -hmm. And what they're doing oh, yeah. for Porsche, Bugatti, whoever else. So interesting. Porsche, Bugatti, uh, VW. All the VW brands. Yeah, gotcha. VW. This brand, I mean, Mate Rimac is a young man. Yeah. When I spoke with him last year at Pebble Beach, he was around 30. No, don't Really? Me. That's he is insane. a young man. I thought and he was he much has older it together. Than that. He's got and the amount of money that he's got Porsche giving him right. to make components and other things that they won't talk about 
is fascinating. I think this is really a sleep. It's already the, his rim acts are gorgeous, also gorgeous. gorgeous. Um, and I'm already working on. They tell me they're going to have a production car that I can get into in the states. Um, when maybe next month? Maybe no next kidding. Month. Yeah. And when is it going to be for sale? Or we have know. no idea. I don't know. Yeah, that's the know. weird thing is like, why are you telling me about 2024 cars now? This is why, as a reviewer, this is a problem I had with the Cadillac Lyric. Right. They have us in a car, but then they tell us, well, it's a And it's, it's not a, a production version, right. Well, then it's like, that means that anything I say that's wrong with it, you guys can just say, well, it right. was a pre-production. Meanwhile, they've sent a few out, but they won't say how many. And right. then the next batch is going to be around in 2023, 2024. So it's it's still a year in the future. Right. Might as well what give me the, a clay yeah, don't, sculpture. Don't, yeah. Get us excited a year from now. I mean, right. we, this is very anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, to say to say the very least. Yeah. Let's talk about my favorite column of yours, want to take up track driving? Yes. Don't make these rookie <laughs> mistakes. Yes. So how often are you on a track where you're really letting loose? Uh, I would say five times a year. Okay. Yeah. I Bugatti. try and get up twice a year. Okay, but that's great. The For me, it's like if Bugatti's got something, McLaren, Lamborghini, and Ferrari, they're all great about having people on the track um actually maserati just had a track day that new it, two two whatever it is 220c whatever it is the, uh, the mc mc 20 yeah mc i think you're right mc that's a very handsome car maserati mc 20 very good looking car we had it on the track at willow springs which is like the local track mm -hmm. in la it's old track historic so track are you days. burning through 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 tires and brakes like no. Not at all. The, I mean, the thing with, with journalist track days is that it's a very controlled environment, which is not to say that people don't go off the track. Yeah. People go off the track. <laughs> but bad habits on the track, For well, I'll talk about for me. And go I ahead. make no pretense to being a professional car racer. I am not. Don't try I'm a this journalist. at home. Pay attention. That's the number Come one. Come on. This is the number one thing. I don't believe that. I lose focus so quickly. I get bored after about two laps. I no really do. No way. Which causes you to be very sleepy on other things. You know, it just causes you to flub braking and, you know, turn so, in too early. All the other things, to me, come from a lack of attention and focus. All right. So <laughs> we were just up on Lime Rock. I yeah. went with a bunch of guys. And, um, you know, you're in a full Nomex suit. Yeah. Uh, you you have um, the, the balaclava on, right? Yeah, and then you put the hood on, yeah. the the helmet on, and you have to kind of back your way into the seat. And can uh, you even turn your head? You you can, although yeah, okay. you can see why yes. the F one drivers have to work out because yes. your neck is oh, sore the next yep. day. And and they cinch you in mm -hmm. so tightly. Now I don't get panic attacks. <laughs> I'm not claustrophobic. I have no fear of heights. That sort of stuff doesn't bother me. They cinched me in so tight, I felt like I couldn't breathe. Yeah. And for a moment, I'm like, this is a horrible mistake. You're going to pass out from lack of oxygen yeah. Yeah. until you leave the pit lane. Yes. And then you are just so hyper-focused yeah. that you just completely forget yes. your body. I forgot how uncomfortable I was. The rest of the world fell away. It was just nice. me. The, Zen. the wheel, the yes. gas, the brake. Breathing. Remember to breathe. I, you don't even think about it. It's just yeah. the autonomous yeah. system takes over. I will say. I don't know yeah. how you lose. Especially, I, I lose, I lose this was in a Roush Mustang, <laughs> which is what? 700 horsepower? What yeah. do you do in, in like a full-blown mid-engine It's like, it's like Ferdinand out in the pasture. I'm right? just looking at daisies. I will say. <laughs> I will say. I think... Um, Everybody will improve their on-street driving by having a track day. 
for sure. sure. Because it, first of all, the proper placement of your arms and your knees and your legs, I think most people get completely wrong the moment they get into a car. First, I'm at Skip Barber. You're doing these these different skill trainings and these different semi-courses yes. before you're on the track. And the instructor is constantly 10 and 2, both hands, 10 and 2, both hands on the wheel. Because huh. I always I'm drive surprised. with an elbow and oh, a hand gosh. on the stick. So he's yeah. like, you drop your hand off the wheel to shift gears. <laughs> Keep your well, hands you know, up. Both nine hands, and both three, hands. Nine well, and three was. is really what you want to have with a 90-degree angle. 90-degree angle, but they want your thumbs over. Lightly, lightly, so, lightly. Light touch. So the skid pad, so we got to use the new Supras mm-hmm. on the skid pad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty good at recovering from a skid. But it's a little frenetic. And, and this instructor said, dude, just relax. Yes. Just Breathe. let it flow. Breathe. And suddenly yes. it's just Light. easy Smooth inputs. is fast. Right. Smooth, smooth is, is fast. fast. Slow and is you, fast. Smooth is fast. Correct. And the other thing that I think really, it does really teach you is to keep your eyes up and look ahead. Look if where you want to go. At, if you're looking at the corner, it's That's already what, too late. Right. You got to be looking at the next That's one right. already. And I think that really helps you when you're on the street driving. Just anticipate where other people are right. and what they're doing. Stay alert. Stay focused far ahead. Not just down the hood of your car. Right. But That's be right. thinking like two or three turns ahead and everything else will flow from that. Especially when you're driving 60 miles an hour. Yeah. You can't look 30 feet ahead. It's already, you're already too you late. You slam on you're the brake. Late. It's going to take yeah, you 100 feet to late. stop. You yeah. have to look way past that. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's really interesting. What other rookie mistakes do you want to um, tell people I, about? The other thing that I, you, I do find myself, I'll just speak for myself because, you know, why not? Um, don't <laughs> focus on the other people. Focused on your own line on the track, that's the number one thing. You know, if you if you get so, that for me, if I get so wrapped into trying to keep up with so-and-so who's in front of me or so-and-so who I think is coming, breathing down my back, mm-hmm. I'm going to get all tense and all anxious and whatever, and I'm not going to have the best line going into a turn, coming out of a turn. You're doing lead follow, in other words. Sure, yeah, but, you know, um, sometimes you're in two groups, and one group might overtake another group. Right, Um, that's always fun. You know, of course. Then there's always someone who's going to be sort of behind the pack, and sometimes you end up lapping them. So it can be a little bit like... We had a guy tap out, not with our group, with a different group. He was like, I I just, this is too stressful for me. Yeah, you just... Here's the crazy thing. You're following... So the, the fun thing about the instructors... You're in these hopped-up 700-horsepower Ford Mustang Roush editions. Cool. Or the last time we were there, it was RS4s, 911s, and M3s, and they're driving streetcars. They're driving Altima's Camrys, and it's all you can do to keep up with them because they are so good. It's another level. But but here's the thing that I kind of figured out about halfway through the track day was, wait a second, I'm in a high-performance track Mm-hmm. Vehicle. Tuned vehicle. Yeah. If yeah. the Camry can make it through at this speed, I'm pretty sure this car can. Oh, yeah. And once you get that in your head, it's like people saying, wow, you were flying around that track. I wow. was just doing what he was yeah. doing. Yeah. The assumption is if he made it through the turn, I'm going to make I'm just following his track You really precisely. see the driver makes all the difference. Huge. I've seen some of the pros. They'll take a minivan out just for fun and lead the journalists around in a minivan. Hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. And we're still doing all we can just to keep up because it really does, you know, a good driver in a bad car is probably always going to be better and faster than a bad driver in a good car. So you get to go on tracks five times a yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. 
their cars. Yeah, their cars. Um, how yeah. often you do anything where you're not reviewing a car, where you're just uh, reviewing the track? Like I'm hmm. trying to remember, did. Did you do the, was it the Lamborghini driving school or the Mercedes? I did a Ferrari driving Ferrari school. Ferrari driving school. Which, great memory, which I would just plug, you know, every major Ten automaker, grand, well worth it, right? Completely well worth it. Anyone can Google Ferrari driving school, BMW driving school, Aston Martin driving school, any of these. They right. all have driving schools. They are so fun. The instructors are like your best coach, your favorite right. coach. They're there to help you succeed. Right. They're it's fun. You can it's do insanely it, fun. You can do it with family members, you know, friends, coworkers. I highly recommend it. And that was, to your point, less about the car and more to just about improving as a driver. So like, worth it. Like you really can't. Mo the average driver is not going to be running a Ferrari at the limits of its performance. No, and it goes back to the point that it makes, when you do get back on the road, it makes that driving so much more pleasant because you're aware of what a car can really do. Right. So that you're not intimidated just to drive on the highway. I mean, because you've seen, even if you aren't driving it yourself, you see the instructors do things with cars that right. are unbelievable. And right. you realize we in normal everyday driving, we don't get near the limits Not of what close. the cars can do. And and I recall um being on the highway a couple of years ago and there was an incident that the only reason I managed not to plow into this accident in front of me mm -hmm. was because of the training that they had uh, amazing. The, so so yeah. you know there's only so much traction on on a tire you can either put it all on braking or put it all yes. on turning but you can't do both. No. And that's how people get into trouble. Yeah. And I remember saying I'm I'm just going to stay with the brake as long as I can. Yeah. Loosen up and turn yeah. away, but I had to bleed off that speed. Yeah, of course. And yeah. you know, if it wasn't for Skip Barber, I would yeah. have been the third or fourth car in that well, pileup. That's a great yeah. advertisement. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You kind of realize, okay, it's weight management a lot of the time when you're, especially if you're in like a well, it's, style it's, car. It's where it's managing weight. It's whether the car is sitting on the on the back tires sure. or sitting on the front tires. Yeah, and that transition is also where a lot of people get of into course. trouble. When cyber criminals strike, the difference between a catastrophic event and resilience is preparedness. Finance leaders who plan ahead can thwart the damage posed by ransomware. Yet in a recent EY poll, only 23% of directors expressed confidence in their organization's ability to respond to a ransomware attack. Cyber preparedness is just one facet of the complex risk landscape finance leaders face every day. Now more than ever, it's vital to keep ahead of developments. Cybercrime, macroeconomic conditions, ESG reporting. You can't predict the future, but you can prepare for it. By understanding your risk, you can make your business resilient to challenges on the road ahead. What's more, you can turn those risks into opportunities. EY helps CFOs, boards, and audit committees see beyond the numbers to uncover the critical insights that make their organizations resilient, even in an ever-shifting landscape. For more insights that matter, visit ey.com slash beyond the numbers. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, they're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. 
Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's dedication. It's fortitude. And it's the work, passion, and grit inside of us that comes before all recognition. That's what Stiefel has been doing for over 130 years. And it's why Stiefel is one of the fastest-growing wealth management firms in the country. And Stiefel goes beyond traditional wealth management to offer you a full suite of banking services, direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises, and a leading middle market investment bank. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel has built a company and culture unlike any firm on Wall Street. Because success is the drive it takes to keep pushing. It's the passion to keep investing. It's the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Find a financial advisor at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel, Nicholas & Company, Incorporated. Member SIPC and NYSE. Yeah. So so let's talk about one other piece you wrote that I have to ask about, which is this sort of ode to L.A. you did. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about that. And you're kind of bi-coastal. You're yeah. in New York and L.A. Tell us about L.A. and what okay. do you, what's New York like these days? Um, I would say, first of all, that I love New York more than anything. I identify as a New Yorker. I've I've lived here for 17 years. I'm originally from Oregon, but really came. Do you up still have an apartment in, here? No. So, but I do have a driver's license. That's a okay. New York driver's license. I'm a New York booster through and through. But I will say, California has two things that New York doesn't have: weather. Actually, I like the I like the seasons. I like the weather in in New York. I prefer it because California Not is just winter. boring. No, I love winter. That's uh. my second favorite season in New York behind fall. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> California has better Mexican food than New York City, okay. and it has better car culture. I have to yeah. say the the hey the that's driving where it started roads, right right the driving roads in in and around Los Angeles especially are world class, and yeah. I have been everywhere. The roads there are phenomenal, mm-hmm. especially during COVID when driving was like the only thing we could really do it really was wonderful to drive on the canyon roads outside malibu to drive up angeles crest up highway two to drive out to the desert joshua tree i mean there's so many options pacific coast highway of course um so that has been really lovely Mm -hmm. um that said i'm really happy to be back in new york at the moment new york does seem different since i've left and since COVID. i'm sure you've Recognize so that. the residential parts of New York are just jamming. But you go into crowd. Midtown, it's a little. It's it's funny. The Bloomberg Building, which is now hybrid for now. Yes. A nice sunny day. This building is probably 80, 85 yeah. percent what yeah. it, what it full strength. But if you have your choice, ah, oh, it's pouring rain. Why am I going to come in today? Completely. Unless I have a podcast. Um, pre-war car market. Why is oh. it thriving? For every reason we've just described, because we're all sitting at home looking at bring a trailer with a lot of time on our hands, we might have some extra money that we haven't spent on travel, or right. you know we've pulled out of the stock market because it's a bit scary, and we uh, are just putting it into our project cars. Also, I think to your point, there's a sensibility of like, hey, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I'm going to enjoy this now right and things are meant to be enjoyed cars especially i mean it's it's just a shame when you see some of these cars and they're not really driven and enjoyed that's always my so there i stopped even commenting on cards and bids or or (laughs) bring a trailer about this 
But every time I see um, a favorite car come up with like a hundred miles, yeah, it's I like think there oh, were some Carrera GTs that had yeah. very low miles. So it was clearly yes. bought as an investment, yes. and you know, it's like, come on, yeah. it, it's sort of when when the speculators come into your favorite space. The yeah. neighborhood gentrifies. You have to move, and all yeah. the fun goes out of it. Yeah. Um. And there's like a a, a handful of us who whine about it, and everybody yeah. else shouts them down. But but that's always like, ugh, what, why yeah. buy the car? So so part of the appeal of something like, um. So I didn't get the four twenty seven. I got okay. the three twenty seven. The vet, because the or, or the sixty three for that matter with yeah. the accidental split rear window, which is worth a hundred grand more than my car. Because at that price, listen, anything you pay less than $100,000 for, you could drive and you'll get most of your money back yeah. if it's a collectible. Sure. But two, three, four hundred thousand dollars $400,000, suddenly every mile you start driving has a dollar figure associated with it. Maybe. I don't th I don't think for all of those cars. I think for some maybe um, really special cars that maybe have a, a particular history or a racing history. Um but, you know, I think part of the thing, too, is there are a lot more events that you can use your collectible car for. I mean, rallies, meetups, mm -hmm. um, concours, Cars and meetings. coffee. Completely. There's a lot more of that stuff. And everyone just wants to do it. And you're going to want to show up in something cool. Right. So I think that's driving a lot of it, too. And I also think it's considered cool to drive your car now. Uh, hey, man, that's yeah. how I roll. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's... It's the thought of saying, well, I just spent all this money and time and effort to keep this car running and well-maintained. You know, to say I'm just going to leave this, uh, it's not good for the car to just yes. sit. No. No, it's not good. The, the only issue I have with that is it's hard to find leaded gas for that. Uh, last column question. Jennifer Connelly's 911 in Top Oh, Gun. yeah. Cool, right? So it's funny because... When we saw the movie recently, and when he pulls up in front of her house on the motorcycle, I leaned over to my wife. I'm like, nice 911. I bet that's hers. Because nice. why would they leave it there? Right. I had no idea that that was a collector's car that yeah. the guy had loaned in it to the, loaned in, two of them to the shoot. In California, too. And they found him through um, a couple of guys sort of in the Lufticult world. Mm -hmm. They Now, I spoke with the director of that movie. He claims it was a loan, that the guy just loaned him. It didn't even charge him, you know, a rental. Really? Yeah. Just because he's a car guy, he's part of this R group. Uh, Meanwhile, yeah. your car is the 911 right. in Maverick Top Gun. Cool, right? I know. What do I have to pay for that privilege? I know. And he he has some other cool cars. I did a little research. So he's just a car guy. He's got and, 10 911s. You have 10 Porsches, you said. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And so, and what was it? Kelly McGinnis yeah. had a, a Speedster in the first uh, She had a 356, yeah. Mm -hmm. That actually wasn't a real one, if I remember. It was remember, a replica. It was right. a replica made by a Canadian company, but still looked Who cool. could tell yeah, the difference? Right. Tell. Yeah. I mean, that that it's original frame. It. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense. You know, and it yeah. actually, uh, the whole thing about the F-18s versus the fifth generation, you couldn't stick with the 356. No, it wouldn't work. make it fresh. Let's talk a little bit about F1. Obviously, the Netflix show, enormously- Drive to survive. Uh, yep. Enormously popular. I'm, I'm halfway through the fourth season. Oh, I, I mean, I know there are spoilers, but- you know, yeah. it's still on a... Who's your driver? 
uh, Daniel Ricardo mm-hmm. on uh, McLaren. Like he's such an interesting character. I'm mm-hmm. kind of rooting for him. Mm-hmm. And then Carlos Sainz, who oh. moved over to Ferrari. Yes. Like here's a kid who just grew up worshiping Ferrari. Mm-hmm. The fact that he's driving for them, you could just see mm-hmm. like the glee mm-hmm. every time he puts on uh, that red driver's suit. Uh, they're, they're just really interesting. The challenging thing is wrapping your head around the competition between the drivers on the same team because it is supposed to be a team, right? Yeah, you know, it's been uh, very interesting, especially this year, to see Lewis Hamilton as he fights his way back to the top and how the whole team, uh, you know, goes around him to make that happen. I mean, he passed Michael Schumacher yeah. in like just about every record he yeah. set. Yeah, and to to your point, it's been great to see how George Russell has really taken his role as the supporter, so we can get Lewis forward. They mm-hmm. seem to have a really good working relationship. Mm-hmm. I think in in past years with other teams, it's been a lot more competitive with the drivers on the Mercedes right. team. But George Russell it seems to be such a team player. He's so young and enthusiastic and he's so good too that he really pushes Lewis forward. And it's and been you awesome know when you're see. that age, you could say, "Hey, my time will of come course, eventually." Of the, course. The guy who runs the Mercedes uh, Toto, what's his name? Toto Wolf. Such a fascinating character yes, on, on the Netflix show, as is the guy who runs the Red Bull team <laughs> and the guy who runs McLaren. It's, it's really a cast or of char- for that matter. It's a cast of characters, which is really. Um, I'm really glad Liberty Media has taken a aggressive stance to promoting Formula One in the U.S. I mean, it's actually taken years and years to get proper broadcasting, proper promotion, proper marketing. And tracks. And tracks. So you have Miami, you sure. have Las Vegas, I can't Texas. Wait for, uh, yes, Where I can't else wait are they going to open Grand Prix well, tracks? We don't know. Those three for sure. Vegas is going to happen for the first time in this current era next year at some point in the fall. I think they still have yet to release a date. Miami just happened. Happened. I saw the final numbers. They're claiming 240,000 tickets. That's a which lot. Which is insane. It's like Super Bowl Plus. Yes. Two Super Bowls. And it's so interesting because most of my friends are not in the car world, but they were asking me about the Miami race. They, for whatever reason. And this is all from Netflix. Yes. And what? Knew. let's talk a little bit about Audi and Porsche joining yeah. Formula One. What? So, why, after all these years, you would have thought Porsche would have been right in there the whole time. Well, Porsche has in the past had um, supplied parts to Formula One. In the past, it's been in and out, and of Mm -hmm. course has focused on other racing series, including Formula E. You know, they got a team, a racing team with Tag Heuer in Formula E right now. But I think what has caused part of this is Formula One has announced that they're going to be changing some of the rules for the engines in the next few years, which will allow um, new and hybrid technology, more hybrid technology to be involved in the cars. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, brands like Porsche and Audi are seeing. They want to be there. They want to be there. It's growing and it will really, truly help them develop their electric technologies uh, for for future consumer cars. Since we're talking about Porsche and Audi, let's talk about their Mm e-offerings. The the Taycan, especially the Turbo, spectacular car. The GT e-tron. Yes. Other than the fact that it was a horrible olive drab color. Oh, no. And these are really lovely cars. Yes. But they're very pricey. When do these things sort of become a middle-class purchase. And I know when I'm talking about Porsche, 
Yeah. Like the McCann starts at yeah. 50 grand and the Cayman starts yeah. at around the same price. So they are middle, upper middle class cars. Right. Right. But when do the EVs come down? Well, I think we might have to look outside the luxury automakers for EVs that uh, are, are priced in a very affordable way. Hyundai has the EVs that people are obsessed with. All the Koreans. About. So I, Kia, I, Ioniq is which yes, brand? Is that Hyundai? That's Hyundai. Yeah. So those cars are Fabulous. reasonably priced. Yes. Fully featured. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're missing mm-hmm. a whole lot. Mm-hmm. But to your, answer your point about Porsche and Audi, I don't think we're going to see affordable EVs from those guys for a long time. Why? I mean, they can sell, they them, at can sell them at the high prices. So why yeah. would they need to go down at all? I would really consider a Tesla Plaid, the Tesla S. It, okay. Except I have a lot of friends with Teslas. They're, they're very ubiquitous. Well, to, that's number one. It's yes. an old design. But yes. my real beef is the fit and finish of the interior. Of, still, it's still. still a problem. And even back in the day when you would just gently or matter-of-factly point out, these cars are not well-made. Right. It was like you had just attacked, right. you know, personally attacked Elon Musk and you were threatening his identity and all. It's like, no, but when I you got look in, at- I got into a Taycan Turbo the other day. It's just a spectacular interior. Yes, because it's done by a proper German automaker that has been doing this for 70 even plus the Ford, years. Even the Ford 150 Lightning sure. was a really well-made Same interior. Same with the Hummer. Right. So I, I do think just because the long the long-standing older automakers have not done electric vehicles until now doesn't mean they can't just means they haven't had to or they haven't wanted to but now that they're starting to make them we're finally getting actual luxury quality fit and finish uh manufacturing you know body panels fitting together properly software that actually works we are not getting this from lucid rivian tesla which are startups the the one thing i could say about tesla i think their technology and their software is still way ahead of everybody else's. And the -the over-the-air updates, way ahead of everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know when we're going to have like a phone that you just put (laughs) down. Eventually, I want to drive into the garage and have the charger... Yes. Be on the floor and yes. I don't have to do... I, I don't In have one to, hour. Right. Just, yes. just, but, but that's coming eventually. Sure. I think that's the appeal of the hybrid now. We're still in a transition from ICE to EV. Of course. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of hype around EVs, but again, if you look at the reality of it, you cannot drive an electric vehicle. Range is, you know, about 300. That's kind of the going right. rate. But that's really under perfect conditions. Right. If, if it's you don't cold, do it, if you're driving you're, fast. I mean, really, in real world terms, you're going to get like over 100 miles, maybe. That's not really a road trip distance. Right. That's right. Yeah. All right. So I only have you for a couple of more minutes. Let's jump to our speed round, starting with. Best used car for under fifty thousand dollars. What what would you tell oh, people to get? Can I say a collectible? Vintage you can say whatever car? you want. I, I want used a or collectible. I want a C three Corvette. You can I, find them for my, under fifty grand. Oh, easily you can find them for. Tw- you can find a driver quality and either for the T tops to or the convertible. Yes, and I think I keep reading these Haggerty reports and you know Sotheby's reports. Values are going up of the muscle cars in general, mm-hmm. I, and I think they look so cool. I think they're about to hit their stride. All right, best collectible under a hundred grand. If you can get a like nine nine six on a higher mileage, so you're going to pay less. Less. 
I still think values for those are going up. They have really? been, yes, they have been going up, but I don't see any reason why those are not going to stop gaining value. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I, I, I'm going to regret it, passing on that. I, honestly, I think so. And I don't think mileage matters. I really don't. If it, if the car's been maintained, if yeah. it's had, at least in California, no, no rust. Exactly. California car, call it one or two owners, properly maintained with a, a good ledger of records. And, hey, if it's got a lot of miles, but it's been taken care for, care of. What car would you own if money was no object? Uh, Mercedes 300 SL Goldwing. That's mine also. That's a good yeah. pick. Because it's, uh, I did not plan that. That's what came from my heart. It, but it's, it's yeah. The the I don't know if you saw the Paul Newman version, the sort of light blue with the plaid oh. seats. Oh, spectacular! Yeah. Did you see the the SLR Unlot Coupe that sold for a hundred and? You wrote a column on yeah. and how do you insure yeah. that? Yeah, I, I mean that's. I was a ma- there when they announced the sale. It's a made up number. I don't really believe. I, well, it, it was you know. a private auction. Right, right. Orchestrated very closely. Yeah. But exciting nonetheless. But that line of cars, gorgeous, insane, yeah. just insane. Um, so forget money at no object. Just rationally, what's your next irresponsible auto purchase? Well, I know I keep saying this, but I really do want to see three Corvette. I'm going to keep hammering. All on right. That. I now I I will never replace the '75 Rolls Royce Silver Shadow. Yeah, what's that I have. the deal yeah. with that? I that, love that land yacht. Oh, oh my it's, god! Oh, it's so glorious. You can get those for pretty inexpensive. The key is to have a mechanic who can work on them. Okay. That, and I do have that. You get parts for sure. And, They're everywhere. And do yeah. kids pull up next to you and talk about Grey Poupon? Or yeah, do you, they do. You get yeah, that joke? Yeah, I've had people send me Grey Poupon in the mail. Get out. Yep. That's hilarious. Little packets. The little packets oh, they sent me so back. Funny. And the one great thing about that car, in L.A., you know it's all just a real big ego contest with cars in L.A., Going out in Beverly Hills, you know, you roll up West in that Hollywood. car, you're, you're keeping your own right with anybody, front. right? Exactly, next They're to the park Ferrari, you next front to the McLaren, center, and that car is not an expensive car, no. it makes you feel like a million bucks, though. Right. When all those other guys have every other thing, it's great. Last two questions What's the fastest car you've ever been in? Oh, well, Bugatti, of course, the Chiron, yeah, right. And now, here's the trick question okay, not the fastest car you've ever been in, but what's the fastest you've ever driven? Well, I would say I was on the track in Spain with Ferrari earlier this year, and I don't know, we probably were 160 or so on the backstretch. That's, that's you know, Autobahn speed. Yeah, right. right? But yeah. you're 160 miles I, per hour, not kilometers. But but I hope you're you're paying attention and not getting distracted. No, I was in that moment. I was paying attention. I, I think it. I think <laughs> that that would tend to focus your attention. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's jump to our favorite questions that we ask all of our guests, starting with. Tell us what you're streaming these days. What kept you entertained during the pandemic? Okay, the most recent, within the last few weeks, um, Mayor of Kingstown mm-hmm. with Jeremy Renner. Mm-hmm. Have you watched this at all? No, it looks it it's, looks like disturbing. It's very violent, yeah. but it's very good. I mean, he's incredible. Um, the guy from Brotherhood's in it, the, mm-hmm. the main brother who played the cop. Um, I don't want to spoil anything with that, but um, I binged that completely love it mayor of kingstown a little bit violent mm-hmm. um and then the other thing that i just started since being here in new york that was a recommendation from ian who colors my hair is hacks had loved it oh really, my god yeah. it's so great and so and i had seen that so and good. passed it a million times and he's like no you really need to give it a look and i've watched like 
five episodes just back to back oh, to back. It's, it's, it's just hilarious. Great. Can hilarious. I? My problem with binging something like that is there's only three seasons. I it's know. a short season. You kind of want to make yeah. it. Make they it go last really a little fast, bit. don't they? They yeah. go really fast. No, they really do. Yeah. I, I've been trying to watch less really violent stuff, and yeah. that's why. Mary, although I've been, we've been watching Outlander, and some of okay. the scenes are just, yeah, you know, torture. I will admit to covering and... my eyes at some points. No, I see still, if I'm going to watch it. I'm going to watch it. No, I, no, I, I have no problem like literally fast forwarding or covering my eyes. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, tell us about your mentors who helped shape your career. That's a great question. Um, I have to say, I've already spoken about Matthew DePaula, mm-hmm. who was the editor who hired me at Forbes and who just saw this like very young, trained journalist who knew nothing about cars and really helped me um, shape a, a perspective on it. And then Joanne Muller, who was the Detroit bureau chief at Forbes uh, when I was there. She's now at Axios writing about transportation. Mm-hmm. She uh, is just... A, a beacon of hope and light and optimism, uh, a true professional journalist. Uh, love her. So, yeah, Joanne Muller has great content. She's writing for Axios now. Hmm, interesting. Uh, tell us about some of your favorite books and what you're reading right now. I just finished uh, Bell Hooks' uh, New Visions mm-hmm. of uh, All About Love, um, which is not a new book. It's new to me. Um, it sounds a little, you know, gushy, but it's a really beautiful book about how our culture um, lacks love in the culture. And it just felt, reading it, it felt like really just a balm because we all have had quite a chaotic, uh, aggressive five years. And it has seemed that people are really becoming polarized and tribal and, uh, you know, and so reading that, it really was a beautiful commentary on the importance of love. in addition to romantic love, brotherly love, love for others, love for self, mm-hmm. um, forgiving parents for not loving you perfectly. Um, it was really a great book. And then the other one that I, I'm still going through is called The Artist Way, which is by Julia Cameron. It's an old one. My wife uh, is a big fan of that book. Yes. It's so it's the type of book that you just want to reread every like 10 years or so because it really does sort of free you up from a, whatever thing you're locked into. It's great for people who were creative as children and every child is creative. The point of the book is every child is creative somewhere along the way that gets pushed out Mm -hmm. from a lot of us. And it's just about being free as a creative in any tiny little way. Really interesting. What sort of advice would you give to a college grad who is interested in a career in either journalism or automotives or whatever? Uh, Do what you're excited about. Um, I would say two things. Don't take a job that's very depressing to you, even if you think you should. (laughs) Don't do it. Just don't do it. Um, And the second one is take a job where you can see where it gets you somewhere else and to a point you want to be. See the the path. Yeah. Even if the job isn't perfect for you in that moment, take it if it gets you to a point where you might want to be, which is how it worked out for me at Forbes. I, I knew... I don't really necessarily want to write about cars, but it gets me in somewhere that I want to be. So have an open mind, a mind open enough to be able to maybe do that and to pivot if you need to. Um, And then also, you know, it's so cliche, but like don't do something that isn't exciting. Because if you're not excited about it, how can you expect your readers, your clients, your your colleagues to to be excited about it if Hmm. you aren't? Really interesting. And our final question, what do you know about the world of writing, automobiles, luxury travel today that you wish you knew 20 years or so ago when you were really a, a young cub reporter? 
That's a good question. I think what I wish I knew about the world in general is that you can kind of do whatever you want. There are no rules. There's, there's no set thing that says you can't talk to this person. You can't ask that person that thing. You can't try to find out more about this just because you don't have that background. The just options are just do it. Yeah. Just be, be bold, be bolder than you think you're allowed to be. I think, you know, when, at least for me, when I was younger, it's all about trying to do the right thing and please people. And that's a, a nice impulse, but also you can be a little bit more bold than you think you can. Hmm. Really good advice. We have been speaking with Hannah Elliott. She is the reporter covering automobiles for Bloomberg. If you enjoy this conversation, well, be sure and check out any of the 400 prior ones we've done. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We love your comments, feedback, and suggestions. Write to us at mibpodcast at bloomberg.net. Sign up for my daily reading list at ritholtz.com. Check out my Twitter feed at Ritholtz. I would be remiss if I did not thank the crack staff that helps put these conversations together. My audio engineer is Jack Halstead. My project manager is Atiko Valbrun. Sean Russo is our head of research. Paris Wald is my producer. I'm Barry Ritholtz. You've been listening to Masters in Business on Bloomberg Radio. To address our new climate reality, the world needs radical solutions. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment, hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.